It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey everyone, welcome into another Pipeline podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo of MLBPipeline.com. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about Tim Tebow. He has a home. He's headed to the Big Apple. He hopes eventually to play for the New York Mets. We're also going to talk about the MLBPipeline.com hitter and pitchers of the year. But we're going to start with Austin Meadows. Jonathan, you got a chance to catch up with Austin Meadows. He's headed to the Arizona Fall League. Of course, the Pirates' number two prospect, the number nine prospect in all of baseball in the top 100 on MLBPipeline.com. So let's start there. Jonathan Mayo talking to Austin Meadows. So, Austin, let's just start with you know going back to the Arizona Fall League. How you know? How excited are you to to go back there and and get some more work in? Uh, I'm looking forward to. It. I definitely am, and I feel like last year was good for me being there. It was a good learning experience, and I'm excited to you know go and meet some more guys, meet some newer guys, and and improve my game. And you know, I kind of figured you know missing you know missing I think about a month earlier this year, and also earlier this year with the eye injury as well. Um, that I have a have a shot going back and you know making up some time. So looking forward to it definitely. Now your time in the fall league last year um, did not go so well. I'm sure in term you know in, in terms of just production. What, yeah. uh, you know what did you learn from from that? You know in terms of the struggles you had there and how did that help you? You know going into to this year once you 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 were able to get back on the field after the eye injury. Um, I think the comp, you know, that, that was the first time I faced. It's probably the best competition that I faced um, during the fall league, and it was, you know, it, kind of, it was kind of almost not a wake up call, but just kind of like you said, a learning experience. And and everybody, everyone you face is going to be good, and pitching wise, you know, every, everything else, and you just got to be mentally prepared for that. You can't you can't really take take any any plays off, any at bats off. You can't ever really be satisfied just. That's what baseball can do can do to you. You know, once you get satisfied, it can, it can bite you in the butt. So, um, yeah, that's definitely what I learned, and I learned it's got to have fun as well. Definitely, no matter what you're going through, always having fun. Now, was it? I mean, was there some fatigue that set in? I know sometimes guys by the by the end of the year, and last year was really the you know the first time you played a full, complete, relatively injury-free season. So you had you had accrued. Uh, you know, a lot of at bats, uh, by far the the most you had, uh, and then had to go and, and and play some more. Did that, you know, not making excuses at all, but did that figure into it as well? No, yeah. I mean, I think that any anyone that goes through that, it's gonna it's gonna obviously be a long season, and, and that's it. Kind of equivalents to a major league season, so um, that's definitely got me prepared for that for that upcoming for the major league season, whenever that will be. So I think that that was good for me. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was not tired. Obviously it's, you're going to, you're playing over 200 games and that's just the mental grind that baseball has. So you get definitely something you have to get used to and 
you got to have fun doing it. Now, you know, this year you mentioned the eye injury at the at the start of the season. Uh, you got past that, hit really well in Altoona, and, and then got pushed up to AAA where it's been a little bit up and down for you. What, what's been the biggest uh, difference that you've seen in terms of how you're pitched uh, between the Eastern League and the International League? Um, you know, in Altoona, you know, you're, you're going to get guys that try to challenge you. Um, some younger guys, not younger guys, but younger than AAA um, pitchers, and they'll try to challenge you with their fastball and, and certain counts. And up in AAA, you know, they kind of try to pitch backwards, not necessarily pitch to the scoreboard. And um, that's just kind of how it goes up here. That's what all the guys have been saying this whole year is the guy that they're, they're more experienced guys that know how to pitch you on the corners and, and know how to throw their off speed for strikes. And that's what that's the adjustment. That I've had to make, um, you know, I've been up here just to kind of get used to how they're not going to throw you a fastball on a fastball count. So just something to make an adjustment on for sure. You know, it, it's funny because you're looking at the arc of your career. I mean, you've had to deal with a, a good amount of injuries this year included. You said, you, you know, you, you missed a, a bunch of time both at the beginning and then uh, later yeah. on. Yet you're 21 and you're in AAA. I mean, yeah. are there times you have to remind yourself that uh, I know that you and I have talked to, you know, over the last couple of years that it's been frustrating with some of the injuries you've had, but you're still really kind of ahead of the curve developmentally. Do you have to you know, remind yourself to, to be patient uh, given everything that's yeah. going on? Yeah, definitely. So definitely yeah. do. Um, you know, when, when things aren't going good, that's kind of my go-to is how fortunate I am to be, be where I'm at and for the Pirates to, you know, to push me. Um, to be the best I can be. Like you said, being in AAA at 21, it's definitely a blessing. And uh, I try to take advantage of that each and every day, whether it's a good or bad day at the, at the, at the play or at the field or something like that. So I definitely try to have fun and take every, advantage of every opportunity here. Is, is your hope, um, and, and I'm not going to let you give me the you can only control what you can control answer to this one, um, <laughs> is, is your hope, you know, listen, you're in AAA. Obviously the, the big league outfield is still – pretty crowded um is, is your hope to use this fall league experience as a springboard to uh, at the very least uh, start putting pressure uh on on the the big league front office to to give you a shot at some point in 2017 yeah yeah i think you know i think there's always a, a force of their hand and, and trying to do the best that you can do um heading into next year and Hopefully that's that's the, I mean that's the goal definitely to you know help the team out at some point next year and um, it's a really exciting time for them right now and and I know that they're and I'm really I'm excited to you know just be a part of that team whenever the time comes and, but for now I'm just you know taking care of um, what I can here and improving my game and, and you know and going to the fall league and improving my game there as well and and also instructs and um, coming into 2017 ready to ready to go and ready to help the team, whenever that may be. So you managed to answer that without giving me the cliche answer. So that's uh, – Yeah, I, I got you. <laughs> that was, that I, was, I know that how to work an, around it. Yeah, that was an <laughs> – yeah, you did. You did you, that was an upper-level uh, answer to that. See, I think a couple of years ago you would have just gone right to the I can only control what I can control answer. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to broaden my horizons just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, last question for you. Um, you know, I think probably throughout your career, you and Clint Frazier, are good, people are going to sort of see where you guys are uh, just because, yeah. you know, from the same area, both first-round picks. 
you both got to to AAA this year, and you know, he had to deal with being traded. Uh, how much yeah. do you do you still talk to to Clint? Uh, I, I know you guys got to sort of meet back up in the fall league last year. You know, and, yeah. and how much do you compare notes? Uh, you know, we don't really we don't we don't have a touch, touch too much, but I've definitely been following him, and I know that you know being traded to a new team there's a lot of new faces and. Uh, different things you have to handle, but I think that he's done really well with it. And um, I saw that he got—I think I saw he got injured as well. Because um, we got the injury bug biting both of us. <laughs> it's not always the best thing, but it, it makes us stronger. And, and that's adversity, you know. You just got to deal with it. And I've been through the same thing as well. And but yeah, I, I feel like you know he put up great numbers in Akron and really tore it up there. He earned his promotion and then getting traded. But you know, I, that's just the way it goes sometimes business-like and kind of opens our eyes a little bit just to, you know, see see that stuff happening. But, you know, I'm happy for him, looking forward for hopefully get the full recovery, and I'm not sure if he's going to Arizona, but hopefully, you know, see him soon. <laughs> well, and I think, it was a, I think it was a hamstring thing, and you probably know more about the hamstrings than you would ever care to. Yeah, I, I don't like to admit that, but, yeah, that's, that's, sadly I do. But I was joking around, you know, already hurt both the hamstrings so you know it can't hurt him again right <laughs> yes yeah, because that's, that's how that works <laughs> but you could probably give advice you're probably you know, close to having you know some sort of like physical therapy degree on how to rehab the yeah. hamstring injuries yeah definitely all right awesome awesome thank you very much for your time and uh look forward to seeing you out in arizona again yeah all right man sounds good thanks all right take care Great stuff there from Austin Meadows. And, Jonathan, uh, we heard the interview, but what did you kind of take away from talking to Austin as he gets closer and closer to the big leagues? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he's had some growing pains uh, at at certain stops, uh, aside from having to overcome injuries. Uh, You know, it's amazing that he's gotten to the highest level uh, as quickly as he did. It shows you how how good of a hitter he is. But he struggled in AAA uh, a bit this year, struggled in the fall league last year. So uh, I'm very interested to see – uh, what he brings to the table. He should have more left in the tank uh, because he missed a bunch of time this year. I could see him being one of those guys, you know, learned from the struggles in the fall league a year ago and puts up some very good numbers and uh, tries to vault his, his way somehow into the Pirates' plans in 2017. That's a good well, point. That's what I was going to ask. Oh, I'm sorry, Tim. I was going to ask you, Jonathan, since you live there in Pittsburgh. I, I think that's my biggest question with Austin Meadows. I mean, obviously a very talented guy, do you have any sense uh, of what's going to happen there in Pittsburgh? I mean, they obviously, with with injuries he had this year and he struggled a little bit in AAA, they could send him to AAA to start next season. But if he gets going like he did this year when he was healthy and tears it up, where does he play in Pittsburgh? I mean, you, you already moved Josh Bell to first base if you're the Pirates. Where does he wind up going? Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, the, the really only solution is to is to trade Andrew McCutcheon, and I think that could happen – Eventually, I don't see it happening this off season necessarily, especially off the uh, the year that McCutcheon has had. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it it could be that Meadows spends most of the year in AAA and you know gets called up if there's an injury because you know the two corner guys here are young and and are under control. So uh, they're not going anywhere, and you're not going to bring Meadows up to be a fourth outfielder uh, unless you have some sort of rotation where they're all playing a lot. I guess it's a good problem to have for sure. Uh, 
You mentioned that he was banged up a little bit this year, missed some time. Now he's going to the AFL. And, Jim, that's kind of a classic scenario for a lot of players with the Arizona Fall League, right? They miss time during the regular season. Gives them a chance to catch up a little bit and get, get some more at-bats over the fall. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think more so with the pitchers, it seems like the the best pitchers in the fall league almost always are guys who miss time. You know, sometimes with the position players, it could be a missed time type of guy like Meadows. It could be a guy who who might get more exposure or a different position like Yohan Mancada or, or Gleyber Torres uh, might might play some second base. But yeah, I mean that, that's I mean I, I can't speak highly enough of the Arizona Fall League. I, I, I say this all the time, but my two favorite things to cover are the College World Series and the Arizona Fall League. And you know, in a perfect world, we'd have pitching prospects all over the place. But with innings limits, I understand why we don't have as many of the great pitching prospects. But man, you do see a lot of talented hitters and. You know, with Meadows, the way he struggled there last year, it just kind of reminded me, and, and I'll bet we see a, a better Austin Meadows this year, but I remember seeing Corey Seager in 2013, and I think it was at the end, it might have been the end of Corey's first full professional season, and he slumped a little bit after late promotion, high class A, and he just looked worn out, and he looked overmatched, and then he came back the next year, and he was really, really good in the fall league, with a big shock, and and now he, he's the easy shoe-in for Rookie of the Year, and you can even make a National League MVP case for him. But I, I bet we see a much better Austin Meadows. I, I want to say, without checking the stats, I think Austin Meadows might have had the worst ops of any semi-regular player in the league last year. Um, just really, really struggled at times. But, you know, I saw a bunch of them. I know you saw a bunch of them, Jonathan. I mean, the tools were still apparent. He just, you know, he could have been worn out last year because he'd been injured the year before, and he went from, you know, it's not the same as innings, but he went from less than 200 plate appearances to almost 600, and by the time he got to the fall league, I think he was just worn out. All right, time for us to unveil. It's already on the site, but let's talk about the MLBPipeline.com hitters and pitchers of the year. We're going to start with the pitcher because it makes for a nice little transition from Austin Meadows. I mentioned he's the number two prospect in the Pirate system. The pitcher of the year, according to Pipeline, is Tyler Glasnow in the minor leagues, the Pirates' number one prospect. Triple-A numbers for Glasnow in 2016, 8-3, a one nine three ERA. He had 144 strikeouts in just 116 and two-thirds innings. He also obviously pitched a little bit up in Pittsburgh this year. The result's not quite as good in the big leagues, but what a tremendous year down in AAA, Jonathan, and the pitcher of the year in the minor leagues. Yeah, the numbers were just a little too overpowering to to look past. Uh, you know, we gave some consideration to to Luke Weaver of the Cardinals and Chance Adams of the Yankees, both of whom had very good years. But uh, you know, Glass now has just been pretty much insane since he hit full season ball. He was our pitcher of the year back in in 2014 as well. Uh, and I think the thing that is amazing is that those numbers you just rattled off him, that that's pretty much been the norm for him in, in the minors. Uh, 500 career innings in the minors. He has a 203 ERA, a 172 career batting average against, and 11.6 strikeouts per nine. It was 11.1 uh, this season. Uh, the only thing that changed, you know, his walk rate went up a little tiny bit, and that's that's the concern with him is his command, and that's you know he struggled with in his two starts in the big leagues, and you know that and the uh, minor shoulder issue that uh, worried everybody, but he now seems to be past put a little bit of a cloud over it. But those numbers were just um, you know, almost video game like in terms of how dominant he is, and the stuff will play you know, in the big leagues if he can 
he he's always going to walk guys. He's six foot eight. There's a lot of moving parts. The delivery gets out of whack. If he can limit the walks uh, somewhat, he's virtually unhittable. Uh, and you know, that's why his his whip is always so low, even though he walks guys, because he just does not give up uh, a lot of base hits. And that's a good thing because uh, as he proved while he was up here in the big leagues, he's absolutely terrible at controlling the running game. <laughs> Don't let anybody get on base for sure. Exactly, <laughs> uh, Jim, uh, if the command is an issue, obviously he's dominant at AAA. Does that just show how good major league hitters are? Or is it was his command not as good in his big league starts as it was in his minor league starts? Um, I think it was fairly similar. I mean, I, I think obviously there's a difference between AAA hitters and big league hitters. And maybe the big league hitters are a little bit more patient of waiting them out to get a pitch they can hit when he falls behind the count. But, I mean, as Jonathan said, he, he's kind of been the same guy everywhere he's been. I mean, even the big leagues, I mean, he wasn't awful. I mean, a 5-4 ERA, it wasn't like he got shelled. I mean, he got in trouble with walks and, you know, gave up a home run. I got him to start against the Cardinals. But, I mean, it wasn't like he was giving up hits all over the place and he was still missing bats. I think he's, you know, I think we're getting to the point where maybe he's never going to have great control or command, but he could still be a good big league star. I mean, I think that'll probably be the difference. You know, how good that command and control becomes will determine is this guy more of a middle rotation the guy or is he is he a potential all star? Because I mean, when his fastball, his fastball, he could throw the fastball by you in the strike zone. I mean, there are a lot of guys who have hard fastballs. But, you know, maybe lack life, or if you get it up and leave it over the plate, it gets hit. His fastball just doesn't get hit. And his curveball is very good when he stays on top of it. It's just a matter of putting the ball where he wants on a more consistent basis. And, you know, again, even in the big league, two big league starts, he didn't go deep into either game. But I didn't think he pitched all that bad. It was just kind of, I guess, what you would probably would have expected from him. You know, even with the dominance in AAA, he was not always, uh, you know, living in the strike zone. He's been called up uh, now in September with rosters expanded. Jonathan, are we going to see him actually on the mound again? Yeah, I mean, that's the hope. I mean, he's in a bullpen role for right now, I think, with the, uh, you know, the, the free fall the Pirates had. Uh, you know, they're not mathematically out of it, but I, I, I could see him getting a start, uh, you know, at some point. I mean, Stephen Brault made a start and wasn't particularly effective. So it wouldn't shock me if, uh, if, if he got a chance to start. He hasn't gone more than three innings you know, since the shoulder thing. And it was interesting in those two starts, what he told me, uh, is you know you wouldn't think a guy like that would uh, would nitpick, uh, but that's what he did. He didn't really just attack the strike zone. Uh, he tried to make perfect pitches, and since his command isn't great to begin with, uh, you know he was trying to be a little too fine. He said one of the things that he knows he needs to work on is not try to be that find the spot kind of guy because that's not who he is as a pitcher. He he's a, a, a you know a, an athletic power pitcher uh, and he needs to stick with that and he's going to walk guys with it but he's also going to miss a lot of bats and generate a lot of weak contact and uh, I think if he continues to do that and even if the walk rate's around three and a half per nine he'll he'll stick in a rotation so Gladys now is your pitcher of the year hitter of the year no surprise here either Alex Bregman a uh, huge season down when he was in the minor leagues 306 20 homers 22 doubles his OPS 986 uh, and he's obviously been up with Houston for a while now and he's certainly contributing to that Astros team right now and maybe one of the more impressive things about Bregman beyond the hitting is is what he's been able to do 
finding a role in different positions on the field as well. Right, Jim? I mean, this is a guy that's been moved around to find a spot for him, and he's taking it all in stride. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who had not played a lot of third base, and he's played mostly third base, you know, pretty much on an everyday basis for Houston. And Ben, you know, in the small sample size, you know, with defensive metrics rate him as a very good third baseman. He's filling in a shortstop last couple of days with Carlos Crayhurt. He's also seen some time in second base. And, you know, I think we said this before in the podcast, uh, you know, when he got off to a 1 for 32 start, I, I joked that in some ways it almost might be a good thing because he, he was just going to get so ticked off that he was going to take it out on, on pitchers. So, like, I, I really didn't think it was going to put him in a fun. And I mean, the scary thing is, since that one for 32 start, he's got a 9.43 ops in his last 32 games. He already—it reminds me of last year when Carlos Correa came up, and very quickly Carlos Correa became one of the best shortstops in the big leagues. And I think Alex Bregman already is one of the best third basemen in the big leagues. Uh, you know, if, if you prorate his, his numbers since that one for 32 start. He's on pace for 35 homers, 50 doubles, 135 RBI, and 140 runs. I mean, he's been on fire over 162-game season. I just think this guy, it doesn't matter where he plays, he'll he'll work to become a good defender there, and this guy's going to hit. And it's crazy. You know, even when he was the number two pick in the draft, you know, really liked him as a hitter. I thought, okay, it's a 15-20 to 20 home run guy. And he's already got 27 homers, and he's probably going to wind up hitting 30-plus homers between the majors and minors this season in his first year in pro ball, and he's only 22 years old. Yeah, the power has certainly come quickly for him, and he was in the Futures game as well this season, uh, and tremendous in the Futures game, Jonathan. Almost hit for the cycle there, and that was kind of his last showing in the minor leagues that, that kind of really proved it was time to move him up. Yeah, and, and we, you know, we we talked to him for, for a while before the Futures game, and he, he is a, a very confident young man, and you know you need to be. Uh, maybe it's borderline cocky. I don't know. Uh, I think he wears it well, but he he had a sense, or at least in his plan in his head, he was going to get called up soon after the futures game, and uh, he turned out to to be right. Obviously, it doesn't always work out according to the plan of a player, but uh, he really hit his way up there and then hit his way out of that funk. Uh, and this is a guy who will do anything to be in the lineup and help you win a game. Uh, so, he, you know, he's confident uh, slash cocky, but it's not like he came up and was like, well, I should be the shortstop or I should only play third. You know, he put, he put in the work, uh, you know, pregame to, to learn left field, which he last played, you know, maybe in travel ball a little bit when he was in high school. Um, you know, he's willing to move around uh, a little bit. He understands – uh, especially now as he's establishing himself that he just needs to do what's asked of him and he does it uh, willingly. And, and obviously the results have, uh, have shown that it's working out. So Bregman's the hitter of the year. Glasnow, the pitcher of the year. Now MLB Pipeline will have the full uh, prospect team coming out as well. So stay locked in to MLBPipeline.com for that. All right, Tim Tebow time, guys. Uh, Tebow has found a home. The New York Mets have signed him to a minor league contract. There were rumors before the official signing with the Mets that maybe Atlanta was very interested in bringing him in. But at the end of the day, it's the Mets. Obviously, he spent some time in New York as a member of the Jets briefly. Um, but this is a guy that, that hasn't played baseball in a very long time. Uh, he's been obviously been working on it. Uh, he had the big showcase for the scouts. Uh, Jim, I'll start with you on this. 29 years old. It's kind of old to be starting out a baseball career. What's kind of the thought process here for Tim Tebow? Is there a realistic chance that this guy could find his way to the major leagues? 
No, I don't think there's a realistic chance. I mean, you know, the Mets want to sign him. He wants to try. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I think a lot of people are have been oversaturated with Tim Tebow, and then we're going to get saturated some more with him now that he's signed with the Mets. But I think he hasn't played in 11 years, and you just can't make up for those lost at-bats no matter how good you might be. Uh, you know, it's the obvious comparison is to Michael Jordan. You know, Michael Jordan hit 200 in double-A. And I would submit that Michael Jordan is a better athlete, uh, more fluid. Um, not that he had a great swing or anything, but, like, I, I don't think Tim Tebow is going to do much more than that. I mean, you know, you, you, if you saw the video from the workout and you, you've seen Tim Tebow, I mean, he's an impressive specimen. He's got big raw power, and he can run. But I think he's more of a strength guy than an athletic guy. I mean, he's not a real gifted defensive player. He's he's probably below average left fielder. He's got a, a below average or well below average arm, depending on, on what scouts you talk to. And I, I don't see after not playing for 11 years how there's any chance he's going to hit quality pitching. It's kind of a, a a stiff, long swing that if he catches a fastball, okay, he can drive it a long ways. But I don't see how he's going to recognize pitches or, or, or cope with breaking balls. So I, 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 well, I was about to say, and Jonathan, I'll, I will hear your take on this too. I was about to give him zero percent chance of playing in the big leagues, but then I caught myself because, uh, you know, I think if not for the strike, Michael Jordan might have played in the big leagues because he's going to be a great carnival sideshow and draw interest. So I won't rule out that Tim Tebow will play in the big leagues. I, I just don't think that he'll necessarily merit it if he does and. I just find it hard to believe he's going to be able to hit big league pitching. Jonathan, obviously the path will begin, I assume, uh, in in next spring. It's spring training down in Port St. Lucie. Um, but, I mean, is there? do you have any thoughts of where he goes? Does he just stay there uh, in spring training, extended spring training, and just work out for a while before he finds his way to an actual team? I know this is all speculation. Right. I mean, I, he's going to go to instructs uh, that start, uh, I think, on the 18th of September. Uh, and that's you know that's the sort of under the radar quiet. Although I'm sure there'll be a bit of a circus there because he will be there. Book um, your flight, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. Get, uh, getting uh, getting workouts in. They play some games against other teams, so he'll get a chance to face live pitching. You know, most of the guys are there are you know ten, eleven years younger than he is. Uh, you know, <laughs> like guys from last year's high school draft. Uh, who I'm sure will love the the idea of being able to you know face Tim Tebow, uh, and that that will be the first test. Uh, you know, if he passes that test and shows that he can compete there, you know, time time is not on his side. So I think if he then goes into spring training, he'll they'll send him to a full season club. They got to see what the, what he can do. Now, of course, this all is what you know. If this jibes well with his uh, broadcasting schedule, which seems to be a bit of an issue already, as he's committed to being a studio host, I think, for college football stuff for ESPN. So, uh, you know, I understand why people are interested in, in stories like this. I already feel like we've talked more about it than we should. Um, so let him go out. If he proves us wrong, great then it's a fantastic story i'm with jim i won't say zero percent uh but i won't go much higher than that and i will say i mean 
just to pick it back on what John said, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I mean, I feel bad because, you know, some player who would have merited the spot probably more than Tim Tebow will be displaced by him now. But uh, in terms of next year, Tim and Jonathan, I would be – let me just say I'd be very surprised if he does not open the season or immediately get assigned to the St. Lucie Mets, who yeah. are owned by the New York Mets. A nice little bit of synergy there. I, I, I would be shocked – if he does not spend some time in St. Lucie uh, helping sell product. Now, Sandy Alderson said quickly that this had nothing to do with just being a, a media thing, a media PR stunt or anything like that. It may not be a PR stunt, but, Jonathan, I mean, some of this has to be the the coverage you're going to get. I mean, that has to factor in this in some way. You think? I mean, yeah. Uh, it, it's an added bonus. Now, listen, they saw the showcase and – they, there are some physical attributes to, to like, and they figured, why not? I mean, it's a low-risk move for them, especially given the, the, the PR and marketing upside. Uh, and I, 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 that's a good move, uh, what Jim said, I think. He starts in St. Lucie. He's the Florida kid playing in Florida. Um, maybe the first time ever that a Florida State League team actually draws fans uh, <laughs> to games. Uh, their attendance uh, is always very, very low. Uh, so... You know, uh, I think you'll see a lot of St. Lucie Mets Tebow jerseys uh, flying off the racks. Yeah, and sir. maybe New York Mets ones as well. Yep. But it, right. And I agree with Johnson. There's there's no risk to this. I mean, other than you're displacing a player who would have had the opportunity that the right. Tebow's getting if you assign him to a full season roster, and it's it's worth the lottery ticket. I, I just I, I'm cynical by nature, and I would feel a little bit better about this, and, and even his intentions. Had he, you know, had he signed earlier in the summer where he could have gone out and played like independent ball or with a minor league team? I mean, this is a guy who's lost, you know, needs as many at bats as possible, and he and his workout, coincidentally, guys, is the same day he announces a new deal with an apparel manufacturer. I mean, huh. come on. And we find out today, oh, he he's committed to baseball. I mean, his makeup obviously off the charts. But he doesn't want to go pass up on his commitment to ESPN, which I admit, I understand you want to honor your commitments. But really, I mean, this is a guy who needs as much time on the diamond as he can get. And you wait to do your big tryout the same day you announce a apparel deal, and you're going to miss time. And I know it's just instructional league, but like I would just feel a little bit better if I felt like this was 100% about baseball. And I, I don't feel that way from the Tebow side of things. From the Mets side, hey, if you want to sign the guy for, for, for not very much and take a lottery ticket, sure. But I just I would feel a little bit better on the Tebow side had he gone out and played independent ball or, or played in the minors, signed so he could have gotten some at-bats this summer if he was really serious about making it. And from the Tebow side, signing with New York, also interesting. You mentioned marketing, and, and there's no more bigger place as far as marketing and that kind of thing and commercials and all of that than obviously New York City. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll finish things up here with Tim Tebow. Uh, we will follow the story, obviously. I don't know if Jonathan is booking his flight or not to get down there for instructs, but we will certainly keep an eye on Tim Tebow as we follow the rest of the minor leagues. That's going to do it for another edition of the Pipeline Podcast. For Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week. <laughs>